Let's pray. Gracious Father, how we do thank You for Your holiness. Such holiness that we don't even know really how to comprehend it. And I really like that phrase that's used two or three times in your word that captivated my soul years ago the beauty of holiness. And that we have to worship you in the beauty of holiness. And yet it seems that we cry with the Apostle Paul so much, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But we thank you that Paul did not stop there, but said that he was thankful for the justifying righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you accept us and accept our worship not in us, but in Christ. All that we are, all that we ever shall be, is wrapped up in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank You, our God, that You do accept our worship. We don't always feel like it. And yet, it is by faith that we worship You and not by feeling. And knowing us as we are, if we always had a feeling that we did everything just right and we were really, really worshiping you as we ought, that no doubt would go to our head. But thank you, our God, that someday we will worship you aright. And whatever feelings or sensations we may have, they too will be at the very height of all that can be ascertained. No, we don't know what we shall be. But we know that we shall not only see our Lord as He is, but we shall be like Him. I pray, my God, that You would bless us 
as we endeavor to study your word a little more this day to find and to apprehend more of what it is to serve you with all fullness. And it is in Christ we pray. Amen. Coming back to 1 John chapter 2, we left off last Lord's Day looking somewhat at verses 24 and 25 and 26, but looking not only showing about our abiding in Christ and showing that we are to continually be reminded that we are to contend for the faith. One way of abiding in Christ is contending for the faith. And I won't go back and look at those again, but we did look at Matthew 24, 24 and some passages there. Romans 16, uh, verses 17 and 18, and 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. I want to look now at First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter five. That little passage in verse twenty-one: "Prove all things; hold fast that which is good. Prove all things." We are to continually weigh and examine everything that we hear that goes under the guise of Christianity. Well, we not only need to do that with Christianity and religion, we need to do everything. We prove all things. In other words, we test it by the Word of God. We test it by the Word of God. And we will uh, delve into that a little bit more when we get to chapter 4 of 1 John when it talks about uh, false prophets and to not to believe every spirit. But we are to prove all things and to hold fast that which is good. I do want to go ahead and read a couple of verses down because uh, I just like uh, the way that it's said in verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Not only just abstain from evil, but even the appearance of evil. Of course, we could preach much on that. But notice this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, body, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you 
And I like that. Who also will do it? Who also will do it? Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Picking up in verse 9. Even Him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they might be damned who believe not the truth but have pleasure in righteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously, uh, well, showing how we have to, there's a couple others we read in Second Peter chapter 2, how we have to contend against those that uh, try to overthrow the gospel. For Second Peter 2, 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now I want to clear up what appears might appear on the surface to be uh, uh, something not clear. It's not saying that these false prophets who deny the Lord were bought by the Lord. It's not the false prophets that were bought. There were false prophets among the people. In other words... There were false prophets among the Jews. And there were false prophets that denied the Lord that bought the people, the believers. That's what it's saying here. This for years was a passage that I had a hard time understanding. But after much study and after much looking at it and interpreting this passage in light with the clear. You remember that when you find a difficult passage, well, first of all, you build your doctrines and your beliefs off of the clear teaching of the Word of God. When you find an obscure passage, you don't build a new doctrine. You interpret that obscure passage in light of the clear. 
You never in you never uh, build doctrines on obscure passages. And so it it was clear that the false teachers were denying the Lord that bought them, that is the people, or uh, as as there were false prophets in past that had come in and denied the Lord that had bought the believers, so there be false prophets coming in among us denying the Lord that bought us. In other words, they deny the Lord that bought the people, not denying the Lord that bought the false prophet. That makes sense to you? In other words, let's read that again. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, that is, bought the people, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. For years, there was another interpretation of this, that it said that God bought the false prophets, so He had the right to damn them. Well, that just never did make sense to me until... uh, uh, I I believe this is what it's talking about as what I've just told you. And then there's Jude 4 that encourages us in the midst of false teachers. Jude 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, only Lord and our, the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're constantly having to contend for the faith against these false teachers, this spirit of Antichrist that we studied about last Lord's Day. And though the Lord will keep us, in verse 27, verse 25 and 26, and this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life, Even these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Even though He's promised us this eternal life, it does not not negate the preaching and teaching uh, by ministers. And even uh, what what is taught, we need to weigh that uh, by the the Scriptures. And even when God does give, Give us understanding through the teaching and the preaching of the, by ministers. It's only God that opens your understanding. Now, verse twenty-eight. See, verse twenty-seven said, "But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not." Well, I was just about to skip this whole this whole section. I don't want to do that. 
And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. Every child of grace, and we emphasized this some, I believe, last Lord's Day, if not the one before that, But every child of grace, and like I said, I was just about to skip over this whole section. Every child of grace is taught by God. There are certain things that the born-again Christian knows because he is taught by the Lord. He is taught by the Lord. First of all, First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse nine. But as touching brotherly love ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now John has talked about loving one another all through this first epistle. And we'll get down to it a little bit more as we continue to go through it. But God's children love God's children. God's children Love God's children. And when you see people that profess to be Christians, that have uh, an uh, internal hatred for a child of God, there's something not kosher. There's something not kosher. There's no problem with the Word of God. It said here, Paul said, you don't need for me to write to you to love one another. You don't have to, I don't have to tell you to love one another. You're taught of God to love one another. You're taught of God to love one another. You may not be able to dissect the doctrine of justification or propitiation and you may not understand some of the theological terms that people throw around which may or may not be good (laughs) but you'll love God's children You'll have a love for the people of God. And when people that profess to be Christian and they do not love God's people and don't want to be around God's people, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. 
John, well, let's see. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Talking about the times and the seasons. When's the Lord going to come back? But of the times and the seasons, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Alright? We don't know when the Lord's coming back. So it does. we know that we do not have to spend our time studying prophecy in order to try to figure out when the Lord comes back. Now notice what I said. I didn't say we shouldn't spend our time studying prophecy. We should do that. But not try to figure out when He's coming back. We don't know. We don't have to write about that. And when I hear somebody say the Lord's coming back at such and such a time, I know He's a liar. He's a false prophet. He's an antichrist. God's children are not worried so much about when the Lord comes back. We know that He's going to come back when we least expect it. He's coming as a thief in the night. He's coming as a thief in the night. And when the thief in the night comes, He's not going to announce it. He's not going to be knocking on your door. Here I come. I'm coming in to... Uh, to I want to wake you up and let you know that I'm here. No, he's going to try to come and let you know when he's not here. In fact, if you've got a neighbor that loves you and wants to check up on you, uh, if he's good enough, he'll sneak in the house while you're asleep to, and check up on you and make sure you're not dead. And then he'll tell you about it a day or two later. <laughs> I've had that to happen. I've got a good neighbor that sometimes checks up on me. And uh, one night I went to bed, forgot to turn the lights out. And uh, when he went to work the next morning, he saw the lights on. He thought maybe something was wrong. So uh, he came into my bedroom, heard me snoring, left and went on to work. <laughs> I didn't even know he was even there. <laughs> But it comes as a thief in the night. Come as a thief in the night. So we don't have to worry about when the Lord's coming back. We know that. God's, God's told us. And Paul said, I don't have to write about that. He's coming. There's some things that must happen before He comes. He tells in Second Thessalonians and in other places. But when and how they're all going to happen, as you... No, when we talked through the book of Revelation, uh, we didn't try to figure all of that out. <clears throat> One minister uh, told me some year, a couple of years ago, 
uh, may have been anyway uh, that he had listened to my messages on the book of Revelation and I said, what'd you think? He said, well, you said, I don't know a lot. <laughs> so, all right, John chapter 6. Because we have the anointing, we are taught this anointing is being born again, is the Holy Spirit in each child of grace. John 6, 45. John 6, 45. It is written in the prophets, And they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. That's a quote from Isaiah 54, verse 13. You don't have to turn back there. I just want to turn back there right quick and read it. If it, this wasn't given to us in the New Testament, very likely if we were reading this, we might just read right over it and never notice it. Isaiah 54.13 And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. All thy children, every believer, every sheep, every elect of God. Jesus Christ said, Everyone shall be taught of God, and everyone that hath heard and learned of the Father shall come unto me. And if you'll go back and read the, the, the sixth chapter of John, you'll see that the coming to Christ is believing on Him. I have heard it taught, which I do not believe that the coming is the resurrection. That wouldn't make much sense because verse 44 said, No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, coming and raising up at the last day is two different things. Every child of grace, some way, somehow, will believe on Christ. You say, well, how much will they know? I don't know. I read... I think I've given this to you before, but it's been a long time. I read in a, a paper, a magazine, years ago. And of a story of 
a young man in a tribe in Africa. And this tribe had uh, pagan worship. I forget exactly what and how they worshipped. I believe the article went into some detail. I don't know whether they were cannibalistic or not or what. I just I just don't remember that part. But all of a sudden, one day, this young man realized that what they were worshiping couldn't be right. I believe, you know, it was. I believe maybe it might have been some carved object, and somehow he knew that that carved object couldn't be God because they made the carved object, and the carved object couldn't have made them. And so when they would get together, the tribe would get together to worship, he would sneak off by himself and worship out in the darkness of the jungle or in the jungle, separate and apart from the rest of them, to worship the God, kind of like the Athenians that they didn't know, but he knew that there had to be something other than what they were worshiping. And finally, he was found out by the tribe and he had to escape and somehow he uh, eventually escaped and got to civilization. And he read, I believe, a pamphlet that told him about the Lord Jesus Christ and about the true God. Then he knew who it was that he was to worship. And he said, well, that's just a story. You don't know whether that's true or not. I don't know that that was true, but that's what I was read. That's what I read. And I can see how it could be true. God can use whatever he wants to use. There was a man... Uh, I can document this. It's on one of the uh, fly of the dust cover of one of my uh, bound volumes of the sermons of C.A. Spurgeon. There was a man in Australia that was traveling out in the outbacks of the Austra- of Australia, and a man came upon him and murdered him. But in his pocket was a sermon of Spurgeon. And the murderer got to reading the sermon and he came to the knowledge of Christ. Now the sermon didn't change his heart. God changed his heart. God gave him the inquisitiveness to want to read the sermon whatever. I'm not saying how God works in all ways. I believe in Holy Spirit, immediate regeneration. But I believe after a man is born again by the Spirit of God, God may use a lot of different things to bring someone to conversion. 
not regeneration. God regenerates. Conversion may be directly or indirectly or however God wants to do it. But God opened the man's heart. He was taught of God. He was taught of God. A murderer reading a sermon. You're talking about the, the, the speaking as a man. What are the what are the odds of that happening? They shall all be taught of God. And beloved, you weren't raised in a jungle. Your experience was not like that of the Apostle Paul. Some of us were raised in a Christian home. I guess to some degree, all of us were. Though I, in my home, I'm the first of my family, immediate family, that made a profession of faith. But my our conversion... Is just as profound as what I have given as an example previous. Because if it was by God, it was by God. I know that I wasn't looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that there was a time when I didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity. I know there was a time that some of the things that this Bible teaches, I said, I'll never believe that I do believe. What's the difference? God was the difference. I'm not thankful for this and I do not suggest this but most likely my coming to Christ was kicking and screaming kicking and screaming but God is greater than we are hallelujah they shall all be taught of God. John 14. John 14. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, when he, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now that verse of Scripture may have a more direct 
application to the apostles to whom our Lord was speaking and the disciples, the other disciples that were there at that time. But it has application to us today. It is the Holy Ghost that brings the truths of God to our hearts and souls. Beloved, why is it that you've read through the Bible more than once and then all of a sudden you come up on a verse of Scripture and it just like it leaps off the page into your heart? You say, well, I never saw that before. Oh, that's precious. Well, it wasn't time for you to see it beforehand. You know, we, we grow in grace, don't we? We don't learn everything at once. Well, who's teaching you? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter two. God teaches his people. Can you imagine a father bringing some children into the world and not feeding them? Beloved, our Heavenly Father is a better father than an earthly father. He feeds His children. He not only gives them life, He not only brings them into the kingdom, but He feeds them. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 2. Kindly hard finding a, a starting place here. But I'll begin at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Notice that. The things that I hath not seen nor ear heard The things which God hath prepared for them that love Him, God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we 
We believers, we sheep, we elect, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the unregenerate, the man that does not have the Spirit of God, the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The only reason, beloved, that you know the things that are spoken of with regard to the spiritual things of God is because God has opened your heart. And the reason you try to talk to people and they don't see and understand is because God hasn't opened their hearts. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is just of no man. For who had known the mind of the Lord that we may that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Didn't say that we ought to have the mind of Christ. Didn't say that we should have the mind of Christ. But the regenerate child of grace has the mind of Christ. I'm not denying that we still have the old nature and there's a warfare, but we have something different. We're taught of God. And we abide in God. And the reason we do is because God abides in us. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll just read verses 20 and 21. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. In other words, being taught by Christ. And then we'll look at that classic passage in Hebrews chapter 8. Verses 10 and 11. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. 
As we've said many times in this pulpit, and I've said it today and I'll say it again, only God can regenerate. But after He regenerates, He may use a lot of different things. Preaching and teaching. Reading the Scriptures. Reading books. Reading pamphlets. Reading articles. Praying. All of these things are important. But even, let's say I'm preaching something and you see something you never saw before. It's not because I was so smart or anything. Because God opened your heart to see it. It's God. All the glory belongs to Him. All the glory belongs to Him. Yes. 1 John 2.27 again. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. That anointing which ye have received of Him is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit given to you in regeneration. Ye need not any man teach you, but the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. You say, well, He says He'll teach me all things. I don't know everything. No, but you know some things. Somebody else knows something else. Somebody else knows something else. Somebody else knows something else. And all of those things are taught by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that each individual will know everything. A lot of things I don't know. But what I do know, God taught me. God taught me. Now some things you have to dig it out. The rich ore may be deep in the earth, but you got to dig it out. It's not going to jump out, out on you. Well, Lord willing, we'll take up verse 28 this afternoon. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank You not only for loving us before the world began, not only keeping the world and the whole system and everything in check for us to be born, made alive physically. But thank You for keeping us alive until the appointed hour of You bringing us out of darkness into Your marvelous light. And then for watching over us and guiding and directing us and blessing us to know You, to know Christ. But oh, for grace to know You more. 
the glory belongs to you. And we thank you for keeping us and for the promise that you will continue to keep us throughout all the days of our lives and bring us unto that eternal glory where we shall dwell in righteousness forever. Amen.